0: Church Uncharted is a podcast about following Jesus and making new followers of Jesus in the uncharted waters of today. Your host, Matt Schubert, is a mission facilitator and church planter in the Rockingham Mandurah region of Western Australia. He knows that the call to follow Jesus can look different in an ever changing culture, and when it comes to evangelism, there's no perfect formula so he'll be joined by guests who will help us, the church, navigate these exciting unknowns.
1: So if our language and the way in which we communicate is not causing people who are far from Jesus to lean in, then we have to change something about us, because Jesus wasn't just interested in reaching church people.
0: It's our hope that as we listen into to the following conversation, will be encouraged by the everyday power of the gospel, be given a deeper love for God's church, and be stirred to see the way the Spirit is at work in the lives of those around us. Welcome to Season
2: 2. Hi there everyone and welcome back to the next episode of Church Uncharted. I'm really excited today. I have uh, my good friend, Chris, he is a uh, coffee-drinking, Batman-loving church planter, um, and, and that's really... Is it, there, there's, there's a little bit more to you, isn't it, Chris? That, that's, that, that's what I see most of. Um, share share a little bit about yourself.
1: <laughs> probably the best introduction I've ever had, mate. Like, it's unreal yeah if you watch um if you watch any of my online stuff i'm actually looking at like these three big batman photos right now on my wall but yes that's your inspiration um,
2: in life really uh around like kind of cartoon figures well what's um sorry you you, you didn't think think that this was going to be your first question today
1: at all no no it's a good one though uh i don't really know all i remember is like from as when i when i was as young as i could remember uh, i've always loved batman like I used to, I got, really got into the animated series when I was little like it was at the point like because I think Batman came on at 6 30 in the morning mm-hmm. uh, on Cartoon Network or something so sure. I, would, I would wake my brother up at 6 because the rule was you had to be ready for school to watch Batman uh-huh but I would wake my brother up at 6 a.m make him get ready for school and then at 6 30 I would sit and I would watch batman while i ate my breakfast like yeah. yeah and then ever since i just yeah really good really times oh
2: yeah i remember waking up super early just to watch cartoons but if, if you woke up too early you'd get stuck with gymnastics for, for no not not gymnastics aerobics for for a little while um and Ooh. so okay yeah don't don't wake up too early yeah rookie
1: move <laughs> sorry uh, but yeah, no, i do i do love batman i also <laughs> love um arsenal football club that was something you omitted. so oh right okay
2: yeah see i I have no clue about soccer so I don't dare start to start a conversation around a sport that I have no clue on just in case I make a fool of myself no, that's wise chris you're you're a church planter in in Brisbane share, share a little bit uh about what what that looks like for you and and really how how you uh, came to be a church planter over there
1: yeah so uh, we're actually about to turn um five I don't I don't think we'll have, I think we'll be about a week away from turning five by the time this episode airs. Cool. Um, so yeah, I have the privilege of like leading a team of um, people from a whole bunch of different um, ages and stages of life. Um, and we, uh, it's a church called Beyond Church. And so um, five years ago, uh, Living Faith Church, which is where I was working at, at the time, kind of wanted to reach the local community as a lot of churches have a heart to do and sort of said, oh, what should we do? Like a lot of church, they were like, you know what? There's a young guy here. Let's um, get him to start a night service. Yeah. And uh, we did a lot of research, and the team kind of said, oh, you know, I, I don't think a night service would work because they won't come to the more traditional service once they get to an age of like, you know, six o'clock or six thirty. It was at that point in time at night. Um, attracts a certain demographic. They usually don't have kids because at six thirty on a Sunday night, the kids have to be in bed. So we're like, okay, young adults, youth. Uh, once they get married they're not going to transition to that 9am service it's way too different and uh, the research about unchurched people says that they don't church shop that's a church person thing and unchurched people will just drop off the grid altogether so we kind of went to the leadership and they were uh, really open and really willing to take a risk on me and a bunch of people who really had no idea what we were doing. And mm. we were like, well, we should just plant a church. And they were like, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. <laughs> and so when you're 25 years old or 24, 24, 25 years old, uh, you just think to yourself, how hard is it to put a service together and run a couple of groups? And that's easy. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so I think... out <laughs>
2: No think- thought of governance, no thought of man, like <laughs> you just... You just- how, how hard can Who it be? Who needs to worry about that? I've seen pastors about about for that? ages. They doesn't yeah. seem like they work very hard. They're, they're fine.
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we launched with um, and we broke all the rules. So with a team of eight, mm. uh, we launched, and uh, we've been just doing it ever since for the last five years, and it has been just a whole bunch of fun. Right? Yeah. You you married, Chris? I most certainly am. Yeah, Emma married to um, Emma. Um, that's the right answer is, yeah. to, to the question. No, <laughs> yeah, she's incredible. So we've been married just over five years. So we got married about six months before before we planted Beyond. Yeah, cool. Just, um, just so that you had a shoulder to cry on, hey? No, <laughs> uh, actually, my wife is very much a guiding, uh, more than she would care to admit, mm. um, speaks into the vision and the mission of Beyond. In fact, right. really early, early on, I'd just graduated like uni um, pretty, pretty green out of, out of um, Bible college. And I had a way that I thought church was supposed to look. Mm. Uh, and one of the questions she asked me that still sticks with me today is, well, if we created that church and if that was what it looked like, would your friends who don't know Jesus come? And uh, my answer was no, they wouldn't. Mm. So she's like, well, something needs to change. Yeah, um,
2: <laughs> That's brilliant. So, yeah. That's cool. So uh, just just, uh, give, give us a little bit of an idea. You're a young church, five years. What's the philosophy that drives you and,
1: and your team as, as you set things up at, at Beyond? Yeah, so our mission's probably pretty similar to most churches. Um, it's to go beyond church and lead people to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. Uh, where we probably differ and people kind of stick their ears up and go, oh, that's a bit, what's that look like, um, is our vision. So we want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend that's not a church for unchurched people that would be an atheist church and that doesn't make (laughs) sense but we just want to create a church that unchurched people want to be a part of and that they would love to attend one of the things we say over and over again is that people would be comfortable to belong before or if they ever believe so we let people know right up front hey if you don't believe what we believe that's totally okay you can be here for as long as you want because we're still going to love you. We're still going to, we're just going to be happy that you're part of our community, um, even if you never yeah. come to believe the same things we do about Jesus. Yeah. What well, what I love about that,
2: that vision is that it's a really solid measuring stick that you can run anything past. And, you know, is is this going to contribute towards our engaging, our, our reception of of unchurched people? Um, what What are some of the things that have come about as a result of this kind of vision, in particular, I know that um, you, Chris, you're you're great in the way that you communicate to people uh, who you know are either seeking or uninterested. The way that you gear your language is is really great. Where where did where did that really come out of? Is is that really coming back to? hey, if if my friends were, were here, what what would I want them to, to hear? Um, t- tell us a little bit about the, the language that you use around that.
1: Yeah, so it's probably, that's a really good question. Probably comes out a little bit of like our team's personal desire to see people, but it also comes out of some of the research that we've done and some of the really influential authors and people, church leaders that have spoken into our community. So, so I don't know if you, the audience is familiar with Andy Stanley, but he uh, he leads a church out of Atlanta, Georgia in America, um, of which Beyond is a strategic partner of. And there's a bunch of churches in Australia that are strategic partners. And so mm. one of the books that was really influential with us in terms of shaping our ministry model was a book that he wrote called Deep and Wide, where he yep. looks at the idea that a lot of, there seems to be this like, idea that a church can either be really really deep or really really wide and shallow Um, but he kind of Mm. pushes back and says a church can be both deep and wide and so for us we look at and we have a very deliberate end point we want people to end up at in other words like if someone was to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus we've actually articulated what that would look like in our community and where that they would be Um, People don't have to agree with that. But for us, that just kind of helps us sort of set the goalposts up and say, hey, this is where we want to drive people. And so for us, that location is groups. We want people to be in a connect group and we want them to be out of that group, contributing back to the mission and engaging in the mission that we have. But it means that all of the other environments that we have, and we use that term environments deliberately, like not programs, all of the other environments we have are designed in such a way that it's supposed to step people towards a group. Yeah yeah, how we communicate in those um, environments differs a little bit, but um, yeah, great. Yeah. And when I hear you bring a a message or uh,
2: communicating with an audience, uh, I hear very little what I call Christianese, the the kind of church lingo that you you need to be around for a little while in in order to, to pick up on uh, what might be fellowship or or sanctification or you know the 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 kind of christianese words that um we we kind of go back to as a shared common language which may not be all that common to our neighbors or our friends who who don't know jesus Mm
1: -hmm.
2: um is is this something that you've you've thought a a lot about um chris is is this something that that you're quite passionate
1: about yes yes something both but answer yes to both of those questions so uh and, and to differing degrees in different ministry environments that we run so for example mm. in a connect group there's kind of the assumption in our groups that you're you're a jesus follower if you're in in those groups uh okay so the christianese can flow as much as it wants in that environment because <laughs> whereas for us our sunday um environment uh, our services is is very much geared for we use it as an evangelism tool so that church people can invite their unchurched friends um and that both unchurched and church people would say hey i want to come back so for us you know we're constantly asking you know what are unchurched people here in our environments mm-hmm. what are, what do they see and what do they feel and mm-hmm. so we i want to be thinking all the time like you know if an unchurched person is sitting in the room when i say the words that i'm, I'm about to say like what are they actually processing and hearing? That's
2: such an important question to really be asking it yourself. It, it forces you to
1: continually check yourself, doesn't it, Chris? Oh, it does. And I think like the best example I can give of like like really practically, because we do this all the time in our lives. We probably just don't think about it as much. Like, mm. you know, like, as I said, I'm married and Emma, well, let's use it with Emma. Because if, you know, say say I, you know, am getting slack and not emptying the dishwasher or something, the way Emma addresses that issue with me she thinks about her approach and she thinks about like okay how can i do this in such a way that chris doesn't get mad or chris doesn't get angry or Mm, um, mm. he sees how much i care and that hey Mm. this is something that means a big deal to me and so Mm. uh i think but sometimes when it comes to church we don't really think that way hey like yeah what's the way in which i want to say this so that an unchurched person leans in to what i what i have to say
2: so it can actually be a method of love then for that person who who is listening, that we're actually thinking through and and filtering and and going well, how how can I put this in such a way that they're going to feel on the inside rather than being alienated and and put on the outside? So so then it can actually become an act of love, even the language that that we choose.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely, and I think like when you look at the New Testament, Jesus was very Um, deliberate about you know he taught in parables and he taught in such a way that the audience whether they were Pharisees or Sadducees or whether they were you know tax collectors and sinners Mm. both those groups of people understood what Jesus was saying and both of them lent in and so I think it is possible Mm. to communicate um, in such a way that you know Christians lean in as well as people who are exploring or new to the whole faith thing lean in as well
2: yeah that's right because he, he was sensitive to that and, and then he would speak differently if it was just his disciples who, who were there with him right
1: yeah yeah and you, see, you definitely see that like in paul's letters as well like paul speaks and communicates in a very different way uh mm. depending on who his audience is
2: that's right like to the church in corinth that he's like hey when I came to you, I didn't really worry about anything else. It was just really important to me that you would know Christ and and him crucified. I, I didn't try and use any kind of eloquent speech. I, I didn't um, use any lofty language. I, I just, I, I wanted you to just understand quite a simple message.
1: Yep. Yeah, completely.
2: So Chris, why is it important for us to be mindful of using normal language? Uh, when we talk about things of the faith we, with those who um, aren't in in sync with, with the christianese why is it important that we do use normal language with these people
1: yeah well oh man there's a lot of ways yeah there's a lot of different reasons why but i think because 95 of the time in our lives anyway and probably greater than 95 percent like we don't use christianese uh mm. and i for me anyway like we kind of mentioned at the start of our conversation you sort of said oh you know, when I when I don't know anything about a particular sport, I don't like to comment. And so so what that what that means, like, I think that's a good example. Like, if I was to bring you over with some of my mates and we were to watch a, a football game and, you know, we're all talking about football and it's like words that you're like, mm-hmm. I didn't even know that was a word and what does that mean? I have no idea. You're kind of like almost right then you're on the back foot. You're like, I feel like I don't belong. I feel like I'm not a part of this. I feel like this doesn't make sense. Whereas if you had someone there with you and kind of being like, oh, hey, Maddie, like, when someone says offside this is what the offside rule is in football you know when the linesman points a certain way that's what this means like you know yeah. that's why they call that and someone's kind of commentating and explaining it and kind of taking some of the words that people are using all of a sudden it to you mm. going it goes oh well i could understand this and oh okay this makes sense to me and it's not so foreign um so mm. i think it helps people get a handle on it a little bit better
2: yeah, you might even uh, at that point draw a parallel with a sport that I do understand and, and go, oh, it's a little bit like how in in basketball or in footy, uh, it's a little bit like that rule when. Um, kind of making some of those connection points, finding that common ground, yeah?
1: Yeah, and I think language can just be a barrier for, for people in general when you're trying to have a conversation. I, I love like, mm. you know, there's this whole new movement with like Gen Z and some of the lingo they use and like yeet and all that sort of stuff. And but I think like, like language is such an important thing that if we can remove that as a barrier or an obstacle for people understanding and getting to know Jesus, that, then I just think we should be doing it.
2: Yeah. Mm. Perhaps even more so we will have some church leaders, uh, kind of those who are um, maybe pastors uh, kind of missional leaders who, who are listening in. Um, we might also have Christians who who aren't in a an official position of influence. Um, but particularly, kind of for for those who are communicating to the masses, communicating to a church congregation at, at the moment, is it even more important to be mindful of the language we use, given that in the midst of the COVID? Uh, 19 reality that we're in at the moment a- everything's being re- recorded Chris so so you can even go and and rewind and and watch it again it's uh mm-hmm. stakes are higher maybe
1: well look I just think it makes it makes it more evident whether we're addressing and and meeting the need that culture has and and I think you can see it far greater in some of the analytics than you would in in a church service for example you know I think you know it's really easy to convince yourself if you got you know however many people in your church, whether that's 20 or 30, or whether that's a couple of a hundred or a couple of hundred to think like, oh, you know, attendance is around about the same. I did a good job this week. And no one's going to get up in the middle of a service typically and walk out unless you say something super offensive. But online, yeah. like if you're not engaging or if it's not interesting or if it doesn't make sense or if you use words people don't understand, they click off. And it's really yeah. scary because you can, you, you can go into YouTube in the analytics section and you can actually see when people drop off so you can see who was on screen and what they were saying at the moment they drop yep. off and for communicators that's that can be really humbling to see that <laughs> mm, because normally they drop off the, the time that a communicator <laughs> drops off <laughs> yes
2: <laughs> but but some people might be worried chris that kind of all this emphasis on using common language and mm-hmm. ordinary language normal language yep. uh, some people might worry that we're losing some of the the, the richness of the gospel some of the real kind of biblical depth is is that a fair concern or or, or is that a little bit misguided
1: uh I, I would say personally i think it's a little bit misguided um often when mm. i have people kind of push back against the style that we communicate in it beyond it's always they, they say things like oh well it's shallow it's it's, it's really shallow uh and and my my question mm. back is always like, "Well, what do you mean by shallow?" A, because I'm curious. Like, I'm a naturally curious person, so I want to know. Um, but B, I think it's really important that people are able to articulate what they mean when they're like, "Oh, it's diluted," or "or, or it's shallow." Because mm. mm-hmm. if if what you mean by shallow is you didn't quote, I didn't quote fifteen passages, and I didn't use a Greek word that you didn't know, and because you don't know how to speak Greek, if you mean that like um, I didn't quote like you know, or Augustine or Aquinas, if you mean Mm. like, I didn't confuse you with like, or impress you with how smart I am. Well, that's not what I'm trying to do. So if that's your idea of like depth, um, I won't. But often what I find is when people kind of say, oh, you're diluting it or, or it's really shallow. Often what they mean is like, I understood exactly what you said. Like I understood every single word and I knew the big application. And in church world, and I I still, I still don't understand why Um, that's another Mm. conversation for a different time. I still don't understand why, but I think church world confuses like depth with a like fogginess and clarity Mm. with a shallowness. And Mm. I'll just say this to anyone listening, just because a communicator is clear doesn't mean they're shallow. If a communicator is clear, it means they're clear. But Mm. that's it. Like, it's that simple. Like, and we don't apply the same logic to other areas of our lives. Like if, if someone was mm. to go to a dietician or to a doctor and they were to say, Hey, tell me what's wrong. And the doctor was to kind of go, Oh, look, it could really be five things. I'm not really sure what they are, but here kind of is what the medical research says. Like people would walk away and go, that was a terrible doctor. Like I want them to tell me exactly what's wrong. Like it annoys mm. me that they can't tell me exactly what's wrong. And mm. so I think if anything, when we really focus on language and we are really, really deliberate to make it clear, we remove a the barriers for unchurched people, but B we really narrow down and challenge Jesus followers of like, Hey, this is what it look, this is what this passage means. And this is how you apply this to your life. So if anything, I think it yeah demystifies it and really challenges people to put their faith into action. Sometimes we might think that if someone is talking
2: about uh, the Bible in, in really kind of vague, big, um, kind of terms, at times we we might be fooled into thinking that's what it means to be spiritual. I think maybe at times we equate vague with spiritual, but but really I, I think that that that's probably a little bit misguided because just because something is uh, practical and understandable doesn't mean it's in any sense non-spiritual.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think that's something like i've I've had to learn uh very early on and i I count myself very fortunate that i got to learn it so early on um planting so young but you know when you are young and you get up to give a message you want people to think like hey this person knows what they're talking about and so Mm -hmm. what do you do you start quoting passages and you quote a whole bunch of stuff why so that people can oh this person like almost deserves to be there they know what they're talking about but the reality is the person sitting in the in your church doesn't care how much, you know, what they want to know is like, does this guy, or does this girl have something useful to say that's going to help me either follow Jesus if they're a Christian or live my life a little bit better if they're kind of exploring faith.
2: Mm. I wonder if this conversation is good news to um, those who are listening, who uh, they don't see themselves in an influential church position. They're they're not up giving messages or sermons or um, anything like that. I wonder if this is good news for for people who are just really trying to find the the words to say uh, to their neighbour or to one of their siblings or one of their parents who they go well I can't speak in in the really big spiritual ways that my pastor can. Um, I, I wonder if this is actually re- re- really good news that, hope that this is. is just
1: permission for, for for them to to go no, just use normal words. Yeah, just be normal, like. Hmm. I mean, I get frustrated um, personally and I know from talking to some of my unchurched friends who are friends with Christians and they'll go along to their church and be like, why do they talk normally all throughout the week? And then they get to Sunday and all of a sudden they just talk and like, their voice goes up three octaves and they start talking <laughs> and they start using all these words that they just don't use when I'm around them. It makes me think like I have to be and An American twang cut comes in here yeah. every now and then. <laughs> yeah, and it just kind of gives people this idea that, um, at least for unchurched people, like, well, I just don't talk that way or think that way or act that way. Therefore, I can't follow Jesus. And the reality is like, the people, when in Jesus's day, people who were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus, and he liked them back. So, if mm. our language and the way in which we communicate is not causing people who are far from Jesus to lean in, then we have to change something about us, because Jesus wasn't just interested in reaching church people. Mm. I suppose then for
2: those listening who, who are thinking through, well, how, how then can I put things? Maybe we have people listening who feel like they aren't an evangelist, who who can't, they don't really find the, the right words to to say. What are some next steps for for someone like that? Someone who, uh, that they really don't
1: feel like they, they have the, the language to use. Yeah. I think there's maybe some guidelines. I kind of, have for myself and for our team when mm. we communicate that might might be helpful some of them apply to people who are communicating whether that's sure. in a small group or whether that's um, in a service and some I think apply to um, just people in conversations I think the first one is if you're having a conversation with someone or even if you're communicating like give people permission to not believe right mm. like let let people know like hey it's okay if you don't buy this it's okay if like if this doesn't make sense to you, it's okay if that's too big of a leap. And I think you can do that in conversation as well as in when you communicate. Like um, one really simple way is like, for example, if I'm speaking through maybe Paul's letter to the Corinthians, like I know primarily like he's writing that to Jesus followers in Corinth. So I'll, I'll point out to people, Hey, if you're in the room and you're not a Christian, you actually can put your feet up and relax. Like, cause none of this applies to you. But it might be helpful for your life if you wanted to like listen to some of his stuff because straight away then it's like oh, it it has this weird thing when all of a sudden when you tell someone well you don't have to buy this or you don't have to obey this or follow because the reality is they don't right because mm. Paul's not writing to them and God's not holding them to the same standard He holds Christians to. They're not Jesus followers.
2: They haven't but believe the the gospel yet. So kind of the as the whole indicative imperative thing. It's it's we wouldn't expect them to live out of the implications of
1: a jesus follower exactly but what 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 i find so interesting is that when we say that when i use that language and when our team uses that language people actually lean in because they're like oh what do you mean i don't have to i don't have to oh but i kind of want to know what what i would be missing out on anyway um Mm. so i think that's really interesting um really helpful the other guideline that could be helpful for just the average person is um don't say the bible says uh because it doesn't (laughs) it's probably um and that sounds weird it's like what do you mean don't say the bible says well w- when you think about it like the bible isn't a book the bible is a collection of documents that's written by you know around about 40 authors that's put together over a couple of centuries and yes i do believe it is the inspired word of god and it is, is errant and all of those things but the bible itself doesn't say anything especially to someone who who doesn't
2: accept its authority and it, 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 you, you might as well be saying oh this latest book that i've read or or, or, or this novel says like there, there's there's no real reference point there yeah
1: well and it's like an american coming to australia and kind of saying to me like oh well chris the first amendment says and i'm like well who cares you're like you're in the wrong country champ like it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> And so I think like just, just that shift in thinking, you're appealing to an authority when you say the Bible says that's the that an unchurched person doesn't view as an authority. So I think if right. you can say something more effective, like, oh, well, you know, there, there was a guy and his name was Matthew and he followed Jesus for three years. And after Jesus died and he rose again, Matthew wrote down the experiences that he had or that Jesus had mm-hmm. a best mate and his name was John, and Jesus's best mate mm. wrote, wrote a biography on the life of Jesus. Or mm. just one of my personal favorites is like, did you know that Jesus had a brother? Like, what would your brother mm. have to do to convince you that he was the son of God? Well, Jesus did it to James, and James yes. actually re- became a leader in the church and wrote letters um, that have survived mm. antiquity that we now have access to that you can open up mm. and read for yourself. So straight away, mm. all of a sudden, now an unchurched person is like, well, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing what Jesus's best mate said about him. Like, that's kind of like, mm. what did what did Jesus's brother have to say about him? Like, and it still mm. gets people to engage with scripture, but the, that barrier mm. of like the Bible is now removed. Mm. Hey, what
2: what I'm hearing you say, Chris, is that for Christians, but before we first uh, communicate in ordinary terms, we actually kind of need to get a little bit curious ourselves we we kind of need to be impressed at ourselves that you know uh yeah Jesus did ha- have a brother yeah actually that that would have been a, a strange occurrence for for Jesus's brother and, and yet he and so we we actually position ourselves in, in a bit of a co-journeying
1: relationship with uh this person that we're trying to reach with with the gospel absolutely and i think in that it's like that the what that particularly with the bible it almost like forms that not saying the bible says kind of helps inform our apologetic view like it's an apologetic in and of itself um Mm. because it helps us and it reminds us that actually the bible didn't start christianity like Mm. like christianity would be true even if we didn't have the bible like because what what occurred was an event that shattered history and that event Mm. is what what is the reason that we have the new testament like without that event of the resurrection like there would be no New Testament church, and so it kind of helps us to remember. Oh, well, my my first goal when I'm engaging with someone who doesn't know Jesus is not to get them to believe the Bible. My first goal is to get them that to to see that Jesus, you know, died, rose again, and he's the savior of the world. He is who he claimed to be. That's what it yeah. hinges on. That's what their salvation hinges on. So, yeah, yeah, and and we we can be honest as
2: as Jesus followers that 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 is. Um, a crazy kind of thing that we believe. And, and we, we can actually verbalize that and go, yeah, look, I, uh, I understand that this is a, a little bit of a crazy um, perspective, but I actually legitimately believe that this guy called Jesus predicted his own death, actually died and actually rose back to life. And, and that actually means a lot.
1: And that kind of links, like one of the other kind of guidelines I had was actually like to point out the odd. Because I think when you can mm. point out the odd you actually empathize with what people, so that like that very thing that you said, you know, like one big pushback a lot of unchurched people have is miracles. And so if I'm ever teaching on it, you know, Mm -hmm. like a miracle, then I'll say, Hey, look, I'm a simple guy. And look, I like I believe that Jesus, that if someone can predict their own death and resurrection and pull it off, then there's nothing they can't do. Like, that's just my opinion. And all of a sudden you kind of have said like miracles are not a common thing. That's a little bit odd. You know, there's been plenty of times where I've spoken about, something in genesis and i'll say hey i know when you hear that word you hear genesis and you maybe think like oh i can't believe that because of science Well, what i want you to do is i just want you to shelve that for a second because i don't want you to miss out on what i'm about to say next because that that is odd for someone who maybe doesn't believe in god to think that all of a sudden god kind of like snapped his fingers and Mm. or spoke you know to get real scriptural and the universe was created like that's crazy Oh, that's, that, that's so helpful, Chris.
2: Um, do, do you have any other guidelines for, for us? Anything else that's on your mind? There's probably
1: two for people yeah, who sure. communicate a little bit more in like church leaders in like a, a message context or a youth context or a kid's context. Yep. These two are like, first of all is assume they're in the room. So I go like when I um, consult or help church leaders, like I listen to the, the language they use and often the language is they don't assume unchurched people are in the room Mm. so Mm. you know they'll say things like hey church it's great great to be here and an unchurched person is thinking Mm. themselves like i'm not i'm not a, am not part of the church like i'm just visiting that's right yeah so um wow so just let them know that you know that you're there and that you're glad about it so one of the things like you'll hear all the time in my messages is i'll say things like hey and if you're brand new here and you're not sure about the whole bible thing first of all thanks so much for coming we're glad you're here and then launch Mm. into like just little things like that that's
2: that's so simple, Chris. But that that just makes the world of difference to, to someone who's maybe walked into a church or or, or clicked on a, a YouTube video, and and they're wondering if they're even meant to be here. They're wondering if they're the only Chris, uh, they're the only unchurched person who's walked into this place for, for the past five years, um, and and they're wondering if anyone even knows. Yep. Yeah. And and just by saying something small and simple that that would just make the world of difference to, to them. and that's, that's actually a really loving thing for, for us to do.
1: Well, and it also sets a tone for the rest of your community that, Hey, actually this is a place where we assume new people are coming. Like mm. this is a place where we assume we're fulfilling our mission. Like if new people are not here, then we're doing something wrong. Um, yeah. And then the final one that I, I would have for uh, communicators who speak pretty frequently is um, pick a point and a passage and stick with it. Right. And again, this is just a personal preference so people can argue with me. That's fine. But I hear so many great messages that I think that could have been turned into an entire sermon series. Cause you made five incredible points, but the reality is I'm only going to walk away remembering one. And while we as church leaders, you know, we think, oh, I've got this 30 minutes or however long it is, 15 minutes, and I've been preparing for this for weeks and I'm gonna want wanna give my best. The reality is that people are coming who don't work in ministry full time don't have a goal of working in ministry full time they've got kids they've got families they've got employees they're trying to pay in the midst of covid but they've got all these things that they they're thinking yeah. of and so really the all they can take on is one point like one like mm. tell me what the big idea is and tell me how mm. it applies to my life so i always say like pick a point and pick a passage like don't go jumping around scripture don't go jumping all around the place because i think if you yeah. pick a passage then again my opinion But what I see is there are some phenomenal, phenomenal communicators. But when they get to the Bible, it's the most boring part of their message. And it makes me want to fall asleep. And I just don't think it should be that way. I think the Bible should be the most inspiring, engaging, irresistible part of the message. And so I think that in order to create that tension, it's easy to do that if you just pick a single passage. Because you can really draw people in. And you can almost even get unchurched people to say like, I really can't wait to find out what Jesus says here.
2: That's so good, Chris. I I love your uh, your, your passion for for the unchurched. I I love the way that you want to uh, help empower the church on mission. Uh, so th- thank you for joining uh, me on the podcast today. And I, I just realised that it's um, podcast with Podlick today. Uh, have 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 you? Am I the first one to point out the the connection between podcast and Podlick or? No, no you've no. had that one before yeah yeah that's good that's anyhow good. that's it. thanks for uh joining me on the podcast man um always good to catch up with you and um yeah appreciate the opportunity to, to chat thanks for that chris thanks for having me on mate it's been a pleasure
0: if you have any thoughts or questions from the episode today We invite you to reach out. You can find Matt or Chris on Facebook and Instagram. To connect with Chris, just search Chris Podlich, P-O-D-L-I-C-H. Chris and Beyond Church also have a podcast called Aussie Church Leaders, where they aim to equip church leaders to go stronger for longer. You can find out more about that podcast and Chris's ministry at beyondchurch.com.au.